Well, good morning again. <clears throat> I have uh, a recurring nightmare that I'd like to tell you about. Maybe some of you have this uh, same recurring nightmare. I would call it a dream, but it's, it's more of a nightmare than it is anything. I uh, went to college about 40 years ago, but I still today have this weird dream where I'm going to the final of a class only to discover when I get there that a couple things have gone wrong. The, the dream gets weird, and, and either I'm in the wrong room entirely and I can't find where the final is, or I've discovered that I haven't read any of the material or that I haven't showed up for any of the classes. Does anybody else have that dream? Yeah, that's what I thought. I'm not as weird as I thought, or maybe I am. I don't know. The point is, is that 40 years later, that dream still haunts me. And I think the reason that it haunts me, I don't know about you, but the reason it haunts me is because something like that actually happened to me at a final. So I was in college, and uh, I took a course called astronomy, not astrology. This is about, you know, stars in the sky and things. I thought it would be kind of a cool thing to, you know, go out and look in the stars and see a shape of a bear and whatever. Uh, it turned out to be not that. It was all about physics and math and geometry and, and velocities of, of, of objects and gravitational pull, and it was a really a difficult technical class. I didn't really enjoy it at all. So I had to really study hard. And so I was getting through the class, and I was just sort of eking by, I thought, maybe with a C- minus or a D plus. And so when I got to the final, the final exam, I, you know, pressure was on, right? So I walked into the final exam, and I sat down in the chair with all these other students in the room, and the professor came in, and he said, I just want to remind you that the final today is 50% of your grade, 50%. I'm going, oh, yeah, put the pressure on. Thanks very much. i got to do well on this test in order to pass the course. And he says, oh, by the way, I just want to remind you, it's 50% for the final exam, it's 25% for all the homework you handed in, and 25% for the laboratories. And I went, laboratories? Are you serious? He said, yeah. I mean, I said that out loud. He said, uh, yeah, 13 laboratories over in the planetarium. You didn't forget, did you? I go, no, 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 I didn't forget. I didn't go to a single one of them. I didn't know anything about it. I'm sitting there two minutes before I'm going to take this final. I've already got a C minus D plus, And I realized that 25% of my grade is big fat zero. Because somewhere, maybe the first class, maybe the second one, I was sleeping, didn't pay attention. And didn't recognize that 25% of my grade meant that I needed to go to the planetarium 13 times during the course of that class. I didn't even know they had a planetarium. I couldn't have found it if you'd showed it to me. It's funny now, but it causes me nightmares. And at the time, my emotions were like, oh, my gosh. Talk about a way to start a final exam. I was surprised. I was shocked. I was horrified. I was terrified. It's like, oh, no. Well, sure enough, I failed the course. I did okay on the final exam, but I would have had to get like 150% of the answers in order to offset the fact that I didn't go to 13 laboratories. But the feeling I had at the end of that was just wild. And maybe you've experienced that kind of thing where you've gone through a whole thing only to get to the end. There's no chance to go back and fix it. Get to the end. And you made a mistake. You made a mistake. In my case, the mistake caused me to fail that class. So hold that thought, and we'll come back to that idea just a little bit later. This morning, I just want to remind you that we're going through a series, a sermon series that we've called, He Said What? The idea is that Jesus said a lot of very radical things. He said, had a lot of radical teachings that we find 
in the Bible, and we're going through sort of cherry-picking these as we go, picking them one at a time. Last week, we talked about the fact that Jesus taught us to love our enemies, which I hope, uh, well, I don't hope, I know it was challenging for all of us, was for me. And he gave that challenge or that teaching in the thing we call the Sermon on the Mount, where he gave a series of speeches to a bunch of guys sitting on the hillside near the Sea of Galilee. And we're going to find another one of those in that same sermon this morning. But before we go there and talk about the radical teaching of the day, I want to lay out seven fundamental biblical truths. Seven things, what I call a sort of bedrock of things that we believe as Christians. And seven things are these. One, we are all sinners destined for hell. Two, we are saved by believing in Jesus. Three, we are saved by faith alone in Jesus alone. Four, good works do not save us. Five, Jesus wants us to know that we are saved. Six is everyone who believes in Jesus will go to heaven. And the seventh is we cannot lose our salvation. Now, those are very fundamental biblical building blocks of the Christian faith. And for most of you, they're not new. But I like to think of these as guardrails on a windy road. Some of you will know that when you drive along the road there, you'll notice these, these, these either concrete or, or metal-formed guardrails. The guardrails are there for a purpose. Guardrails are there so that you don't slide off the road and into the ditch. And so if you head that way, the guardrail will bounce you back into the middle of the road and keep you from crashing in the ditch. And these biblical fundamental principles that we're going to talk about today are very similar to that. Now, these, these fundamental principles appear all over the New Testament. They're all over our Bibles, in fact. And I could, I could, for most of these, we could, we could uh, reference a dozen biblical references to support these seven biblical foundations. But I just want to pick one each. I want to run through them really quickly. They're not going to be on the screen. Don't try to follow me in your Bible. You won't be quick enough. Uh, Just listen to my voice as we go through them. The first point is that we are all sinners destined for hell. That comes from Romans 3.23 and several other places where it says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The fact is that God is a holy God, which means he doesn't have any sin. He can't have anything to do with sin. And yet all of us are sinners we all sin. We all miss the mark in some way. And so God really can't, can't be with us because we're sinful and he's not. And that's the bad news. The second point is that we are saved by believing in Jesus. Acts 16, 30 uh, says this. Uh, you remember Paul and Silas were traveling through this town called Philippi. They got chucked in jail. And the Philippian jailer let them out. And in chapter 16, the Philippian jailer brought Paul and Silas out of jail and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. The good news is that Jesus came down to earth specifically to die on the cross for our sins, and he did. And his death pays the penalty for all the sins that we've committed, past, present, and future, if we believe in Jesus. That's the good news of the gospel. All of our sins, past, present, and future, are covered over and paid for. And God then looks at us and sees us as sinless, spotless, innocent, pure, white as as snow. And so he says, yeah, come on up. I'm holy. You're holy. Everything's good. The third point is that we are saved by faith alone in Jesus alone. Only in Jesus and only by faith. Acts 4.12 says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The central message of the Gospels were saved by faith, by believing in Jesus only, and that's it, nothing else. 
Point number four is that good works do not save us. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, which many of you have memorized, says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Faith is the same as believing. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. Not a result of works. Doing good things is good, but it doesn't get you saved. It has no bearing on your salvation. The fifth point is that Jesus wants us to know right now, without any doubt about it, that we're saved. 1 John 5.13, John writes this. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Jesus never intended us to wander around and wonder, well, I don't know, maybe I'm getting into heaven, maybe I'm not, not quite sure. He wants us to be sure, he wants us to be certain, so that when we trust in Jesus, when we believe in Jesus, we are to know that when we die or when Jesus returns, we will go to heaven. The sixth point is that everyone who believes in Jesus will be saved. Not some and not others. Everyone who believes in Jesus will be saved. Romans 10, 9-13 says this, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For the Scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And the seventh and final point is that you cannot lose our salvation. We cannot lose it. John 10, 28 says this. Jesus is speaking. He says, I give them, he's talking about people who have believed in Jesus. He says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. He says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. The point is that our salvation is secure. It can't be destroyed. It can't be lost. It can't be stolen. Not by Satan, not by our sins, not by us. And so we can be sure, we can be certain that if we have have an authentic faith in Jesus, if we have truly believed in Jesus, we will be saved and we will go to heaven. So those are our scriptural principles. Those are our guardrails, as it were, for the morning. And the reason that I'm laying these out to you is because the section of scripture that we're going to talk about today, some people, some people have wrongly interpreted that Jesus, and what he's going to say we're going to read today, somehow violates or contradicts one or more of those seven scriptural solid biblical principles. And so I want to lay out the guardrails for us this morning. So if we start to head off in a certain direction, we're going to hit one of those guardrails and stay back on the road, stay back on the road of truth, and not go into some doctrinal ditch of falsehood or heresy. So if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be sticking pretty close to Matthew chapter 7 this morning, so we're going to cover three verses in 7. Matthew 7, 21 to 23, you can either follow in your Bibles or on the screen behind me. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? 
and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So what I want to do here is I just want to take this apart and unpack it a little bit by asking several questions. First question I want to ask is, is when does this scene take place? There's a conversation that's happening in the future between Jesus and some people. And the question is, when? Well, in verse 22, it says, on that day. On that day, typically in the New Testament, we'll refer to Judgment Day. Judgment Day is that day in the future, in the end times, when Jesus will come back to earth to judge the living and the dead. And on that day, Judgment Day, those who have believed in Jesus will be saved and will go to live in heaven in eternity with Jesus. And those who have not believed in Jesus, whose sins are still uncovered and unpaid for, they will be damned to hell where they will spend eternity in torment. And that's Judgment Day. The second question is, so who are these people that Jesus is speaking to and what were they doing? Well, we see a few things about them. In verse 22, we see that, that they're people who say, Lord, Lord. Lord, Lord is a good thing. It indicates that the people Jesus is speaking to have, have respect for Jesus, that they recognize that Jesus has authority and command and power. So that's a good thing. We also see that these people are not slouches. They're active ministry participants. They claim to have done some things, and Jesus doesn't dispute that, so we have to take at face value that they did. And they did three things. What did they do? Well, they prophesied in Jesus' name. They cast out demons in Jesus' name. And they did many mighty works in Jesus' name. Now, this phrase, in Jesus' name, is a good one because it indicates that the people that are speaking to Jesus have given credit to Jesus. They've given him the glory and the honor for these works that they did. They recognize that it isn't something that they did on their own. They're not taking their own credit for it themselves. They're giving Jesus' name the glory and the honor for the good things that they've done. These people, frankly, sound like religious leaders, don't they? In Jesus' day, they might have been the scribes or the Pharisees or the Sadducees, the members of the Jewish Sanhedrin. If Jesus were speaking these words today, these people might be people like me. This morning, I am prophesying in the sense that I'm bringing the Word of God to you. Don't misunderstand. I didn't get special revelation for this, but that's one of the things that preachers do. And so we think about, I've never cast out demons in Jesus' name, but I've certainly done, and you have done, many mighty works in Jesus' name, some big, some small. And so the people that Jesus might be speaking to here would be people like uh, pastors or perhaps elders or Bible teachers or preachers or Christians who are simply carrying out the ministry of the gospel on a day-to-day basis, either at home or in their jobs, with their families, with their neighbors. So the other question is, what does Jesus tell them? We see this again in verse 21. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now, What does Jesus mean by this? Frankly, this verse is the one that causes a lot of people to run off the side of the road into a doctrinal ditch. So what I want to do is, before I explain what it means, I want to explain what it doesn't mean in a way that some people think it might mean something that really doesn't. For example, is Jesus saying that 
to get to heaven, you have to do something in addition to believing in Jesus. Well, no, we know we can't be saying that because one of our roadblocks keeping us from, from or guardrails from running into the ditch, one of our guardrails is that, no, we're saved by believing in Jesus. We're saved by faith alone in Jesus alone, nothing more. Is Jesus saying that we're saved by good works? Is that what this phrase, does the will of my Father, mean? Does it mean we're doing good works in order to get to heaven? Well, no, we know we can't believe that because there's another guardrail that says good works do not save us. So Jesus can't be saying that. Is Jesus saying that we cannot know if we're going to heaven? That we need to wait until judgment day and stand before Jesus and sort of cross our fingers and say, are we coming in or not? Is Jesus saying that? Well, no, we know he's not saying that because there's another guardrail there that says Jesus wants us to know for sure and to be certain about whether we're going to heaven or not. Is Jesus saying that that some people, not everyone, but some people who believe in Jesus will go to heaven, but not everyone? No. There's another guardrail that says everyone who believes in Jesus will go to heaven. Or is Jesus saying that we can lose our salvation and wind up at the end on Judgment Day and not get in. No, one more guardrail that says we can't lose our salvation. If you have an authentic faith in Jesus, if you truly believe in Jesus, nothing can steal that. You can't lose it. So we know Jesus isn't saying that. So what is Jesus saying? The key, I think, is understanding this little phrase, do the will of my Father. What does Jesus mean by that? That piece of it is the part that people have trouble with. But Jesus is talking about going to heaven. He's talking about people who are entering into the kingdom of heaven. And what Jesus means is this. Here's the answer. When he says, doing the will of my Father in heaven, he means believing in Jesus. Now, where do I get this? Well, it's easy to find because we just need to look around a little bit and find out where the will of my Father is used by Jesus. And it's in in John chapter 6. John 6, 40 says this. Jesus is speaking. He says, for this is the will of my Father. Here's that same phrase. That everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life and I'll raise him up at the last day. It's clear from this verse that what Jesus means by the will of the Father when he's talking about going to heaven is to believe in Jesus. Now, some of Jesus' disciples were a little slow on this point. And so they came to Jesus and they said, Hey, what what magical works does your Father want us to do? And Jesus was very pointed and he said, Works, you're you're on the wrong road. Let's get over here on the main road, get out of the ditch and say, say what you need to do is believe in Jesus. We see that in the same chapter of John, uh, chapter 6 and 28, 29. It says, when they, then they, his disciples said to him, that is to Jesus, they said, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Jesus made it clear. What God wants most of all for people to do, is to believe in Jesus. And so that's clear. Now, with this understanding of what Jesus meant, what is he saying to the people in Matthew 7.21? Let's go back and look at it again. Matthew 7.21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, 
will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. If we, if we substitute the words we just talked about, it would read this way. It would say, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who believes in me, which is the will of my Father who is in heaven. Or to turn the sentence around the other way, just to make it a little easier to understand what Jesus is saying, he's saying, the one who believes in me, which is God's will, is the one who's going to heaven. And with that understanding, you don't wind up in any ditches. You don't wind up in banging into one of these seven doctrinal truths. In fact, everything Jesus is saying here is absolutely perfectly consistent with the seven doctrinal beliefs we just talked about. It's right down the middle of the doctrinal road. It confirms and agrees with all seven of our points that we are all sinners destined for hell. We are saved by believing in Jesus. We are saved by faith alone in Jesus alone. The good works don't save us. Jesus wants us to know that we're saved. Everyone, not just some, everyone who believes in Jesus will go to heaven, and we cannot lose our salvation. So the question is, then, what were these people lacking? In other words, in this story with Jesus, where they're confronted with Jesus at the end times and the judgment day, what was missing? What were these people missing? Well, the answer is easy. What they were missing is they didn't believe in Jesus. They had never believed in Jesus. Now, how do I know that? Well, we just have to look at their answer, what they say. Because when they find out, and Jesus tells them at the judgment day that they're not going into heaven, they begin to complain. They say some things to Jesus, and so it's important for us to figure out what it is they say. It's also important to figure out what it is that they don't say. Verse 22 in Matthew 7 says this, On that day many will say to me, now here's their complaint, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? That's what they said. But what they didn't say is even more important. They didn't say this. Jesus, you came to earth and died for my sins. I believe in you. You said that if I believe in you, I'll go to heaven. We want to come in. They didn't say that. Instead, they went back to their works. They said, hey, 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 what gives you, Jesus? We were busy. We worked hard for you. We cast out demons. We did many great mighty works for you. We prophesied for you. We were working hard. We weren't like those guys that were sleeping in on a Sunday morning or going and playing golf. We worked for you. Come on, let us in. I think these are people that Jesus describes as generally thinking that they, that they, they believe themselves that they're true disciples of Jesus. I think these people show up and they believe they're going to heaven. But they're mistaken. They believe that they're saved by their good works, but they're just wrong. They're self-deceived. They think they're going to heaven, but they're not. So what does Jesus' response to them? Well, verse 23 tells us Jesus' response in my view, this is one of the coldest verses in our Bible. Matthew seven twenty three, And then I will declare to them, Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That is a sentence you don't ever want to hear. Jesus says, yeah, 
you guys did good works, but you never believed in me. Because if you believed in me, you would have a relationship with me. And if you had a relationship with me, I would know you and you would know me. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. My sheep know me and I know my sheep. And I don't know you. Be gone. Get away. And Jesus rejected them. Why? Because they hadn't done enough good works? No, because they had never believed in Jesus. Believing in Jesus, it's a, it's a funny phrase, and I want to spend a little bit more time talking about that this morning. It's an important phrase. It's important because those who believe in Jesus will be saved and go to heaven, and those who don't believe in Jesus will be damned and go to hell. And so it's important for us to unpack that a little bit. If you were to do a word study on the word believe and you went through, through and just get any kind of help from a thesaurus or from Webster's Dictionary, whatever, you'll find that this is what the word believe means. It means to trust totally. It means to have complete faith in, to be utterly certain of, to have full confidence in, and to be absolutely assured of something. And so when we say that we believe in Jesus... What that means is that we totally trust in Jesus, that we have complete faith in Jesus, that we are utterly certain of Jesus, we have full confidence in Jesus, and we're absolutely assured of Jesus. We're absolutely assured and confident and certain that Jesus is the Son of God, that He came down to earth and died for our sins, that if we believe in Jesus, all of our sins are covered over and paid for, and that we will go to heaven to be with Jesus when we die or when Jesus returns. Now, if we've done that, if we believe in Jesus, we will tell other people that. We will speak that. And when we speak that, that is a profession of our faith. It is saying what I believe. Yes, I believe in Jesus. That's a profession of our faith. And if you really and truly believe in your heart, if that word believe really means what it means, because at its very essence, it isn't about your head, it's about your heart. You can say that you believe in Jesus, but if you haven't got it in here in your heart, it's not true. But if it is, then we call that, we refer to the call that as like an authentic profession of faith. Authentic, it is, it is genuine. It's true. It's real. It's sincere. Now, we also know that it's possible for us to have an inauthentic profession of faith. It's possible to say that we believe in Jesus, but we don't really believe in Jesus. It's possible to have a, a false profession of faith, one that's it's insincere and fake. It's phony. It's false. And so who decides? Who decides if, if my profession of faith is authentic, genuine, and true. Who decides if, if my faith, my profession of faith, is inauthentic or phony or fake or false? Who ultimately decides whether I really truly believe in Jesus? Well, not me and not you. Why? Because we can't see into another person's heart. Now, as disciple-makers, we're called by Jesus to do a lot of things. We're called to share the gospel message with other people. 
And in the process of doing that, we should ask as many questions as we can. We should ask questions like, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? If you were to stand at the gates of heaven and Jesus were to say to you, why should I let you in? What would you say? We need to probe. We need to ask questions. We need to, we need to pray. We need to pray for unbelievers that the Holy Spirit would come alongside your own words and, and lead them to a saving faith in Jesus, a belief in Jesus. And we should do that. And part of our role is, is to lead them with the power of the Holy Spirit comes together with us, lead them to make a profession of faith, to believe in Jesus. But I cannot tell you, and neither can you tell me, whether a person's profession of faith is authentic, genuine, real, and true, or whether it's inauthentic and insincere and phony and fake and false. So who decides? Jesus decides. Jesus decides because he can see right into our hearts. We cannot, we cannot cover our hearts up and Jesus can't see them. It doesn't happen. Jesus sees into our hearts better than an x-ray or a CAT scan or an MRI. We are, we are transparent to Jesus. He can tell easily whether our profession of faith is authentic or fake. We cannot hide our hearts. So if you're like me, right now, you're thinking of other people who might have made an inauthentic or fake profession of faith. That's Satan's work right there. Satan wants you right now to be thinking of other people who might have done a false, insincere profession of faith because that's what Satan does. Satan's biggest deal is not to have anybody get saved. He doesn't want anybody to believe in Jesus. And so when you made a profession of faith, when you believed in Jesus, I can guarantee you Satan was right there working hard. He may not have been able to stop you from believing in Jesus, but he wanted to make it into a false profession of faith, not a true one. Because even Satan knows that a false profession of faith won't get you into heaven. So don't think of other people. Think of yourself. And now you're saying, what are you doing, John? Are you questioning my faith in Jesus? Are you questioning whether my belief in Jesus is true? No, I'm not doing that. Jesus is. But we better do it ourselves. And I better do it myself. This week when I was studying these verses, I was thinking of people that, oh, gosh, I hope so-and-so is there on Sunday morning. I had this really cool thing I'm going to say to them. The Holy Spirit rebuked me and said, no, John, this isn't for that other person. This is Scripture. It's speaking to me. And it's speaking to you. The scariest thing about this is that Jesus says many. He uses the word many in here. He says many people will show up at Judgment Day expecting to get to heaven and they're going to hell. Many people. Now let's think about Judgment Day for a second. This is all the people that have ever lived in the history of the world. Showing up on Judgment Day. We've got 8 billion or 9 billion people in the world today, but in history we've got billions and billions of people. So when Jesus says that many will show up on Judgment Day and Jesus will send them to hell, even though they're expecting to go to heaven, we're talking about millions of people will show up on Judgment Day. Millions thinking they're going to heaven and they go to hell. And you don't want to be one of them and neither do I. 
You think I was disappointed when I showed up at my astronomy final and found out that I was mistaken? Because I didn't realize that I needed to go to 13 laboratories, and I didn't. And so I was there, and I was shocked, and I was surprised, and I was terrified, and I was horrified, and I failed the class. So what? There's a lot more at stake in this one. In fact, your entire destiny, your actual eternity is at stake here. We can't get this one wrong. It's a scary thing. It's a scary thing that millions of people, millions of professing Christians will show up on Judgment Day only to find out that they're not going to heaven. Why? Because they've either never placed their faith in Jesus, they've never believed in Jesus, or their profession of faith was false, fake, and phony. Because in their heart of hearts, where the confidence really needs to take place, it didn't happen. So what should we do? What should we do? How are we gonna how are we gonna how are we gonna make sure that we're not one of those millions? How are we gonna make sure that on judgment day we're not standing in front of Jesus and Jesus says, Depart from me, I never knew you. Well, there's two things, and I'll close with this. First of all, if you've never believed in Jesus, do it. Do it today. Because you don't know whether Jesus might come back before I even finish this next sentence or whether you might die in a road wreck on the way home from church today. Believing in Jesus is not that complicated. It's simply a recognition. It's an understanding. It's a confidence in knowing that Jesus is the Son of God, that he came to earth to die for your sins, and that by believing in him, in your heart, really, really, really believing in him and nothing else, that all your sins are paid for by Jesus' death and that you'll go to heaven when you die. It doesn't need to get any more complicated than that. Except when you do it, you guys make sure that you do it with the word believe, with what it really means. That you will totally trust in Jesus. That you'll have complete faith in Jesus. That you'll be utterly certain of Jesus. That you'll have full confidence and be absolutely assured of Jesus. And Jesus only, nothing else, just Jesus. Do that today. Don't wait another day. And secondly, if you've already believed in Jesus, if you believe you're saved by faith alone in Christ alone, then I would suggest you do this. I would suggest that you examine your faith. Check your belief. Make sure that your profession of faith was authentic and sincere and true. And in your heart of hearts, there is a real belief like we just talked about. And when you do that, you need to get some help. Why? Because we can't trust ourselves. The Bible is very clear that Satan blinds the minds of people and keeps us from understanding the truth. And so we can't really trust ourselves alone to make this this examination and to check our own belief. Because Satan's a master at fooling us. We wind up fooling ourselves. And so that's where discipleship comes in. We talk about discipleship all the time. 
Discipleship is coming alongside an unbeliever and leading them to believe in Jesus. And then once they believed in Jesus, to walk alongside them and get into their lives in a relationship with them so that they grow in their walk and they're solidified in their faith. And so to examine your own heart and to examine your own belief and to check your own faith, it's good to get another person, another mature believer, someone that's more mature than you. Somebody who's a little bit further along on their path, their spiritual journey, and invite them in to take a look at your heart with you. Allow them to ask probing questions and to dig deep and to find out what it is that you really, 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 really believe. Talk with somebody about your faith. Allow them to come in. Make sure, make sure that your belief in Jesus is real and authentic and genuine and true. Because on Judgment Day, when Jesus returns, you do not want to hear Jesus say, I never knew you, depart from me. You want on Judgment Day for Jesus to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on in. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this radical and scary teaching of Jesus. Lord, we know that we'll all stand before Jesus on Judgment Day. We believe that those who have believed in Jesus will be saved and spend eternity in heaven, and those who have not believed in Jesus or those who have professed a false faith in Jesus will be damned to hell for eternity. And that story seems simple and straightforward. But then Jesus says that many will be rejected, that many will expect to go to heaven and will find out too late that they're not going to heaven at all. They're going straight to hell. And that means that millions of people will be shocked and stunned and dismayed and horrified, terrified, and damned to hell for eternity. Lord, I pray that any here this morning who have never believed in Jesus would do so today, that they would not wait another day. Lord, I pray for all of us who have believed in Jesus, people like me, that you'd help us to check our faith, examine our hearts, invite another believer, another, another strong Christian into our lives who can help us to examine our heart and check our faith. Help us, each of us, to make sure that Professions of faith are real, authentic, genuine, true. Well, we pray all these things in the powerful, precious name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ.